Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, 3 o'clock hour. Welcome back in, everybody. Happy Sunday to you. I am Rob Ellis. Uh, we've talked a lot, really, about all four sports through the first couple hours of the show, and I got you all the way up until 6.30, so we'll have plenty of time to cover all the bases uh, over the course of the next three and a half hours, that's for sure. But joining us right now, Sixers beat writer from the Philadelphia Inquirer, Keith Pompey. Keith, man, welcome back. Uh, how you doing? How's everything going with you? I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me on the show. My pleasure, Keith. I mean, man, there is so much going on with this team, despite the fact that they're not playing. It's uh, it's hard to believe it was only about a week ago when they got swept out by the Celtics. Um, but let's sort of let's work our way backwards up until where we are right now. So, okay. Not shockingly, Brett Brown gets relieved of his duties. Uh, a couple days later. Elton Brand meets with the media and says, hey, we're, we're done with the collaborative process. It didn't work too well for us. We need to really, you know, reexamine the way we're doing things and make changes. And I am the man. I'm the point guy. I am in charge now. Um, since then, and I'm not saying this thing, this kind of stuff has to help happen overnight. You need to get it right. But we haven't seen, at least that we know of, any other prominent changes in the front office structure. Do, do you expect any of that to be happening anytime soon? Um, yeah, I do. I mean, the, the thing is, when whenever they come out and say we are evaluating things, <laughs> that's not good. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that what we'll see is I think that they're going to go away from like, you know, they have a lot of guys heavily in analytics, you know, uh, excuse me, who uh, they have a lot of guys who are analytic guys and they rely heavily on that. And <clears throat> the story, they have a guy by the name of Alex Rucker. I don't expect him to be back next year. Um, Alex Rucker was basically, you know, you have Elton Brand. Um, I talked to several sources when I was when I was down in um, Orlando covering the thing, people around the league, and the belief is that you know Alex Rucker is probably going to be a guy who who they're going to do away with. You know, it, it you know a lot will depend on you know how they feel once his contract is up, but but the belief is that he won't be back. You know, they're going to reshuffle certain people as well. They're going to have, like, different – you know, they'll probably stay within the front office, but they they won't, um, you know, have the jobs that they have now. And, you know, I wrote that a couple of days ago, but it, it, that, that's the belief that's going to happen. So I, I think it's going to be different. I mean, they have to make a change. I mean, when you think about it, you know, you look at Al Horford and you say analytically speaking, you know, he's a great guy. You, you look at Zaire Smith compared to um, uh, Mikael Bridges. Analytically speaking, Zaire Smith has a, a greater upside. And then you look and you see what Mikael Bridges is doing. Mm. So, you know, I, I think that they do have to make a change, just at least from a credibility standpoint, you know, to get more basketball people in here. Keith, let me ask you, in, in addition to the, the analytics folks who, who they, Elton admit, admitted himself, they relied probably too heavily on, like you just mentioned, great examples. 
we also we're also hearing that there's a lot of other voices involved in basketball decisions, meaning possibly guys who aren't quote unquote basketball people, uh, mm-hmm. maybe business people, et cetera. How much of that is real versus just speculation? And how in God's name does that even happen? I guess would be the question that I would have. You know, uh, it, it's real. It's real. And it, it's one of those things you remember a couple of years ago and when, you know, there was articles written um, that, I mean, I actually found out that the ownership group, they had a guy by the name of David Heller who was basically running the meetings when Hinky was involved. You know, he did the same thing with, you know, with Colangelo at times. They made decisions. I mean, there was one paper, there was one picture in the paper that we ran, you know, on the Zaire Smith draft where, you know, David Heller was sitting next to um, uh, Alex Rucker and, and Ned Cohen and, and this and that, and they were going over paperwork and, and literature, like on on draft prospects. So, you know, that was real. Now, again, he was bought out. He's no longer part of the ownership group. But that lets you know that right there that these guys were running the show. And what I look at it as is, you know, these guys are basketball fans. You know, these guys, they look at it. They're very successful businessmen. And you say to yourself, like, well, how hard can this really be? Mm. You know, it's one of those things, like, you know, we did everything else. We, we know these guys are good. You know, we'll hire certain people, but we'll, we'll try to make our own decisions. And I think that was very real with the 76ers, you know, that it was one of those things where, you know, they felt like they can do the job. You know, they, you know we'll get a general manager. He'll do certain things. But, you know, if, if someone's going to have the final say, and which happens a lot to a certain extent, but the person who's going to have the final say is going to be the ownership group, but they, the people who were advising him were a part of, you know, he was had the ear of, like, you know, some other owners or from, like, some people on the business side, not the basketball side, but they had, you know, more say than the people who were running the team. That's scary. That is scary. Keith Pompey uh, joining me. And, and Keith, here's, here's the other thing. I, 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 I'll move on from this in, in a second, but I'm just trying to – wrap my head around some of this stuff so after the colangelo disaster and he's shown the door they Mm -hmm. locked up they felt the need to lock up a lot of his people for whatever reason prior to their gm search which then led to this sort of brett brown year being thrust into that position And, and in my opinion a lot of people who didn't want the gig and elton gets there sort of by default why would they lock all of colangelo's people up prior to searching for a new gm because I felt like they, you know, here's the thing. I, I think that they didn't want to bring anyone else in to mess up what they already had, what they felt they had. You know, it, it's one of those things where, let, let, let's be honest. So you have David Griffin, who wins a championship with as a general manager with the, I mean, with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yes, you can say he did it because he had LeBron James, right? Then you have the assistant GM of the uh, – Golden State Warriors who interviewed for the job. At that particular time, the Warriors were, what, the best team in the league, you know, the dynasty. So he doesn't get it. So what you do is, again, we're talking about an ownership who's heavily involved, right? You don't want to bring new people in. I mean, you think that you can make these decisions. And they always kept saying it was a collaborative effort, a collaborative effort. Now, the thing is, if you look at it, you you hire Elton Brand, you know, he – he was at that particular time. He was, I want to say, a year out of ending his career. Like he spent a year 
He was a player, and then all of a sudden he became the G League general manager. So when you look at it at that particular time, you know, that's a tough job for someone to be a general manager. You know, he, 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 it was a, he was a year removed from playing in the game. So you had these other guys who they elevated. You know, Ned Cohen was from the NBA office. Alec Rutgers was, you know, he, he was Colangelo's um, analytics, analytic guy in Toronto. And then you have him. So basically you have the analytics guy in, in place. You know, you, um, you, you basically demote Mark Eversley, who was second in command to Colangelo. He goes from number two to, like, number four. Elton becomes the GM. So it's like basically you're setting things up, you know, for the ownership group. And a lot of it, let's keep it real, like, you know, the ownership, when they had, when they had Sam Hinkie, it was one of those things where, you know, you have Hinkie, he's running the show, the league steps in, and next thing you know, they say, okay, we're going to bring Jerry Colangelo in. Jerry hires his son. And if you're the Sixers, you're saying, look, we did it your way, NBA. We're going to do it our way. So you get a guy like Elton Brand, who basically, you know, an ex-player. He's a guy who a lot of people have the utmost respect for. So you say, we're going to hire him as the general manager. But at the same time, when you're coming out saying collaborative effort, that means that you know, collaborative effort doesn't work in this league. So you're saying collaborative, that's telling me that the ownership group has a heavy hand on it. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone, because you can't have too many voices making decisions at all. And I think that it was just a matter of dumb. You know, they didn't want, they wanted to make the own decisions. And Elton Brand and keeping these guys intact, you know, afforded them the best opportunity to, to do what they wanted to do. Keith Pompey joining us. So, Keith, I, I guess my follow-up on, on that would be, we, here we are now, right? Get swept out by the Celtics. Brett Brown's out. We know the issues with the roster. Is this an attractive job for a potential GM and or coach? You know, it's like, you know, to me, I, I never say never, but if you're going there, you got to do a lot of interviewing as far as the Sixers. Like, I mean, what I mean by that is I'm talking about if I'm a a prime candidate, you know, I got to go and ask a lot of questions. You know, I have to see, like, you know, you're saying Elton Brand's in charge, but I got to see who, if he's really going to be in charge. And I have to interview him and say, hey, you know, what are your goals? Well, you know, you're talking about shaking up the front office. Like, who are some of your candidates? What are they all about? You know, because in regards to it being a prime job, a destination, I mean, think about this. The Brooklyn Nets job, is a way better job than the 76ers job. We wouldn't have said that two years ago, you know, and we wouldn't say that. I mean, the Brooklyn Nets, yes, they have, I mean, they got a Kyrie and they got um, uh, Kevin um, Kevin, um, Durant coming in. Mm -hmm. Um, So they have these two guys. So you're looking at them, they're going to elevate. You look at the Sixers, you're going to say to them, like, okay, are are you going to be able to trade one of these guys? I mean, are you going to be able to get rid of Al Horford? And if, if so, who, who do you think you can get in, in exchange for them? Because if you bring these four players back and the way that they looked um, in the first round, you're saying to yourself that this team, you know, will be a playoff team next year, but they're going to be a seven seed. Luckily, maybe a six seed. That's not a real good um, future for a team that has $400 million tied up in four players over the, you know, the next few seasons. So it's not really a good job. But, again, if you know what the direction is, where they're going, 
and if you know they're saying we're going to get rid of some of these guys, you know, okay, maybe it's a good job, you know, like maybe it'll get better in a couple years. But right now I would have to say that, you know, if, if I'm a candidate and if, if I had the Brooklyn Nets opening and the Sixers opening, I think I'm going to Brooklyn. All right, I, I would agree with you 100%, by the way. And, and I'm not sure that Kyrie and, and Durant are going to be able to coexist, but i got to take that chance over what you have here. So I, I guess the off of that, Keith, how likely is it that one of those two contracts, meaning Horford or Tobias Harris, are going to be movable? Or are they movable at all? Can either one of those contracts be moved? See, that's, the, that's a great question right there. Um, you know, it, you know, some people, it depends on, like, what you want. Um, I, I think that if you move it, you're not going to get what you what you think you got in return. You, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't think you're going to get equal value. Now, the, the thing about it, Tobias is younger. That's a lot of money. But, you know, I think you may have an easier chance getting rid of that, even though it's 180 you know, than, than it would be for Al because, you know, Al's going to be 38 at the end of that deal. The only how I, I could see you getting rid of Al's deal is if there's a team like how the 76ers were before where it was a matter of, um, it, you know, it, it was a matter of, like, you want to take on salary and you know you're going to be in a multi-year tank and you're not trying to win games because I just think towards the end of his career, you know, that's, like, going to be – that's going to like weigh a team sure. down. And then Tobias, you know, you're, you're trying to see is if you take Tobias, then you have to have faith in him that this is going to be a guy down the road who's going to make big shots for you. He's going to do a lot of great things for you. You know, you don't give a guy that type of money if you want to bring him in and use him as your third or fourth option. You know, so they're, they're two tough contracts to unload. You, you never say never could never – because things happen in the NBA, but you know, ideally, they're not the type of contracts you want. Yeah, I, I hear you. I, I don't have faith they can move either one of them. To be honest with you, Keith, I, it was just such a mess this year, and Al just looks so cooked, and Tobias just—he's a solid player, but he's not special in any way, and he's being paid like he's special. I, I guess that leads us to the coaching search and some of the names that are being bandied about, maybe put out there by agents or whatever. Uh, no surprise, Jason Kidd's out there, but. We heard John Lucas being thrown yeah. out there, former Sixer coach. And I got to be honest, Keith, neither one of those names do anything for me. Like, I, I get Jason Kidd, younger guy, and some people are saying, you know, maybe he can unlock the, whatever there is with Simmons to get him to be able to, to shoot. And that I, I don't know, maybe. I didn't like what I saw from him at Brooklyn or in Milwaukee, and I certainly didn't like what I saw from John Lucas, you know, whenever it was, however long ago it was when he was a coach. Yeah, here's the thing with John Lucas. You know, it, it was it was weird because I remember a source contacted me and said, you know, John Lucas wants this job. And I was like, oh, yeah, really? And that's not, you know what I mean? Like, okay. And then, like, two days later, another source called me and said, yo, he really wants it. And um, so at that point, it becomes a point where, you you know, if he gets it or not, it's newsworthy that he wants it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the thing about John Lucas is, um, he has, if there's a bright spot for him is that he has the ears of the players. Like John Lucas is very well respected. I mean, you know, he's at Houston right now. You know, he's a guy that, um, their two all-stars like really love. I'm, I'm talking about, um, James Harden and, Westbrook. and Russell Westbrook. Mm -hmm. Like, you know I mean? He's there for that. Whenever you go to Houston or whenever you see the Rockets, 
like, you know, John Lucas is, uh, you know, he's larger than life, so to speak. And when the players had that meeting, you know, he was the one who said, look, you guys got to get in contract, contact with Adam Silver. You guys have to do this. You have to do that. So that was all John Lucas, right? The thing about Jason Kidd is when you look at it as far as a respect standpoint, you know, guys around the league respect him. Players know him. He's also a disciplinarian. You know, there was a you know a point when Michael Carter Williams went there. He had to get pit Mike. He had to get Michael Carter Williams straight. Like he had to like you know get in his face and tell him stuff like that. So a lot of people think that that's what they bring to it. But you know, right now I don't see any candidate that they could go after that's better than Ty Lue. And the only reason why I think Ty Lue is a great candidate for them is just because of the fact that he's dealt with superstars before. He's dealt with LeBron. You know, and, and I know some people may say, whoa, he dealt with LeBron. We don't want that. But he knows how to do, do, deal, do with the egos, deal with them. He's also won a championship, right? He's won two as a player. I know a lot of people upset at the one he won over, um, over the Sixers. But he's won two as a, as, a, as a player, and he's also won one as a coach. So when you say stuff, you know, it's different than another coach who hasn't been there, who hasn't had success. But if he says stuff, they tend to listen to him, you know. Now, again, is how is he going to be able to, like, assemble a staff? And I'm hearing that he, he'll have a great staff with him, guys who people respect. But, again, we got to realize, you know, going from Cleveland when, when you had, like, a championship-caliber team and culture to come in here is yeah. a different thing, is a big difference. So, you know, it's one of those things, how is he going to be able to adjust to, you know, Ben and Joel – with these guys having some bad habits mm. as opposed to LeBron, who's a coach on the floor, you know? Yeah. No, and you, you brought it up, Keith. So let's look at it. You know, we, we know what a talent and beat is, but we also know there's maturity issues. Sometimes there's mm-hmm. conditioning issues. And with Ben, we all know what the issue is. We don't need to belabor it. So I guess my question is, with both of those guys, like, are they reachable? I mean, they are still relatively young. and But they're, they're, you also feel like there's sort of an entitlement for those guys who haven't really done squat, honestly, I mean, they've gotten paid and, you know, accolades, but I'm talking about in terms of winning, you feel like there's an entitlement. Are they reachable in your estimation? I think if you get a coach like a Ty Lue, I think they are. And the only reason why I'm saying that is because he can say squat. You guys haven't done squat. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like you guys come around here, you act like you're this and that, you know, you you guys are happy with being all-stars, but you know what? I, I was a teammate of, of Kobe, one of the greatest players to ever played a game. You know, I had LeBron. You guys aren't even close to that. You know what I mean? And they're like, oh, wow, he's true. You know what I mean? He's yeah. true. You know, and, and I think that he can do that. Um, now, again, the, the one thing is some people think that you need to go out there and get one of these coaches who are going to be these real strict disciplinarians. I don't think that's going to work with these two. I honestly don't because look at the uh, – I'll give you a prime example. Look at the Chicago Bulls. I mean, they had a coach – they went from one coach where Jimmy Butler was like all in his face, you know, to, uh, like had the guy petrified to the last coach they just fired. Jim Boylan, who yeah. was like yeah. – Boylan, who was like extremely a disciplinarian, and he lost the team. Right. You know, it's like you can't, you can't go from extremes. And when you have a guy like Ty – he talks to people. They respect him because of, A, he's won. 
on as a player and he's won as a coach. But when you go out there and everyone says, like, we need a disciplinarian, we need someone that's going to make them do this, you're going to lose them because these guys got away with, you know, doing whatever they wanted for years. It was like having a substitute teacher coming in, like, oh, we're going to pull a prank on them. So when you go and get someone disciplined, then it's like, hey, I want out of here. I don't want to be here anymore. So I just think that they need someone like a Ty Lu who can, uh, you know, who can um, basically, I mean, he, he just has the resume. He has the resume that they'll respect. And it, the thing is, we can say whatever we want. And like a lot of Elton Brand got some criticism when he said, you know what, I'm going to consult these guys on see things they want. That's what you have to do. Right. The other, like, they're the only two who matter right now. And I know people get upset when you say that, but they are the two best players on the team. And if they would have bought in with Brett Brown, Brett Brown would still be the coach. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? So no, it's a good point. you have to consult these guys. Interesting. We're speaking with Keith Pompey. Keith, two more, and I appreciate your time today, man. Um, for starters, the the – the, the plan, at least, and I know you, you, you touched on it, and there was a further report today in, in the Inquirer. read it on Inquirer.com as well today, about the Sixers' potential, or, or at least hope, to potentially move out of the Wells Fargo Center into into building their uh, a place down at, at Penn's Landing. And I think it just hit a lot of the fans in the wrong way right now, considering what's going on in our, our country and our world. You know, mm-hmm. you know, hearing potentially, you know, taxpayers' dollars and all that. And it, and it just it, it feels like sort of another... I don't know, tone-deaf move at least. And I get the machinations that the Sixers have to do this thing with deadlines and all that, but it, it still didn't strike a whole lot of people the right way. Can you just expand on that a little bit and what, what you know, you're hearing on that and what their plans may be? Yeah, you know, it's, it's, I, I get what people are saying, and I understand that. But then it's also like the target is, what, uh, 2031? Yeah. So, you know, and, and let's, let's keep it real. Like, it wasn't the Sixers – it wasn't like the Sixers wanted it out there. And I'm not saying that they were hiding it or anything like that, but mm-hmm. you know, like there were great reporters at my paper who, who basically broke the story. And then, the, you know, the Sixers made a comment, but when you look at it nowadays, you know, the money making is having your own arena, right? right? That's what teams do. And it, 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 it's like, you know, when you have an arena, you, you, you have the flexibility to do a whole lot more, I know this is stuff that people don't want to say, but, you know, you you're, you make more money. You you get the concession stands. You also, hey, if I'm the Wells Fargo now, like, there's competition. Like, when there's a concert coming to town, people are going to say, now, do I want to go to the Wells Fargo Center or do I want to go to the Sixers Arena? Right. You know what I mean? That's all that type of money. And it's just hard being a tenant, you know, just trying to get the job done. And the one thing I will say is that – uh when I when I went on a, when you go on the road you go to the L A right where the Staples Center is, you know, it's beautiful down there. Like it's it's like a whole bunch of nice nice restaurants, um, great hotels. I mean it's like you can just go outside down there L A Live and just have a, a great time. Before that arena was built, I'm hearing that no one went downtown L A. And then Sacramento. I mean I remember going to Sacramento my first couple of years on the beach. And I'm like, man, this place is a dump. I, I don't even like being here. Mm. And then they built that arena downtown, and now every time you go there, you're saying, wow, okay. It's getting a little bit better. Now, I don't know if I would still live in Sacramento, though, right. but I'm just telling you that you know it's starting to revitalize that area. And when the Sixers say 
that, you know, what we're trying to do is we're trying to revitalize the area. Now, that's not, I mean, that's true. I mean, let's face it, you want your own arena so you can make money. But that is going to, like, bring a lot back down to Penn's Landing. We know Penn's Landing is a great place. But I also believe just because, like, when you, if you build it, they will come. And they'll have, like, restaurants and bars and all types of stuff down there. So it is going to be better based on the other places. But let's keep it real. If you're an owner, you want to own your own building. I hear you. That's what that's where the money is at. Owning your own building. And this is what, twenty thirty one is Yeah, a long got, way like, off. Over eleven years. Yeah, yeah, long ways off. And I understand people are upset about it, but it's bound to happen. Because mm-hmm. what happens is how many times have we heard of teams leaving the area because they didn't have their own arena or yeah. threatening to leave in the Seattle. Area I mean look at the Sonics. You know, Sonics are a classic example. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, this is the way it is nowadays. This is the way it is nowadays. So, you know. Okay. Well, no, I hear yeah, you. I don't I, have a problem. I do want to hit you with this, Keith, because I know you were down there in Orlando, and you and I have talked about this, and you've been gracious enough to, to lend your insights on this a, a few times. But unique this week and that we saw playoff games shut down uh, because the players, you know, are, are trying to drive the message home, are trying to raise awareness, trying to do a lot of different things with what's happening in, you know, in society right now. I haven't had a chance to talk to you about it. What are your thoughts on on what went down, how it went down? They're back playing now, obviously, but but everything that happened this past week in the bubble. You know what? It was it's weird, man, because I, I'm just going. I'm shocked that it's happened, but I'm not shocked that it's happened. Like when you get to just give you some background. Whenever you get to the arena early, you know you always hear them playing the national anthem, and it's like a test. Like they're getting it ready for TV testing, and there were several times I like. Where are the players? Where are the players? And the PR people have to tell me, oh, Keith, they're just practicing. So then when it happened, I'm like, whoa, this is real. They finally did it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And it was like the day I wasn't there. My big thing that I – the thing that I'm – you know, everybody – people have their uh, opinion. And, and, and you're free to have your opinion if you like it or if you don't. But the thing that I like about it is that the voter initiative. You know, regardless if you want to vote, if you're a Republican or Democrat, whatever you are, Mm -hmm. you need to vote. And when I found out that only 20 percent of the players are registered to vote, I was disappointed, embarrassed. You know, I mean, I was just like, come on, guys. And now that it seems like to me, the discussion and the conversation they had led to more voter initiatives. I mean, for people to get out there. So my biggest takeaway is that, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because if you really want to have a voice, you can speak out and and say whatever you want. If you're voting. Unless you're going out there voting, you're really not going to make that much of a difference. Yeah. You understand? Yeah. So to me, that was the biggest takeaway. And again, I'm not telling people, you know, vote Democrat, vote Republican, whatever. I'm just telling people to vote. And to me, the fact that they're trying to drive that, was the most impressive thing that came out of that i got you all right well said keith always fun man i I love chatting with you there's a lot certainly a lot going on and a lot to talk about that's for sure with this team it'll be interesting in the upcoming weeks man lastly before you get out the door who wins it who do you think wins the whole thing oh man i I, you know what i was always thinking that oh i I think that i think the Celtics are going to go to the finals i think the clippers are going to finally turn it on and I think it's going to be the Clippers beating the Celtics. Okay, Clippers-Celtics. All right, Clippers beating the Lakers. Interesting, out of the West. All right, Keith, I appreciate it, man. Best of luck. Enjoy you know, a little 
downtime. I hope you're getting a little bit, but uh, we'll talk soon, man. Thanks. All right. Thanks, but don't laugh at me if I get that prediction wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I I already marked the tape, man. We're going to just replay it perpetually. Appreciate it, Keith. Thanks. All right, right, brother. You got it. Keith Pompey from the Philadelphia Inquirer. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.